Well, good morning. We have a few extra faces and a few missing faces today as well because this is that weekend where some kids are already gone to school post-secondary and some kids are not wanting to go to school and there's a whole bunch of parents who are both relieved and anxious all in the same room. It's a great day. <laughs> we, rec- we got the keys to our new house on Friday, which was very exciting. Yes. So in some ways, it feels like a, a restart again. We're, we're here, but we're not here. Now we're here. We're really here. And uh, we dropped off our daughter to college last week. But guess what? She's coming home to visit today. So I'm already excited. She'd like to see where her new house is. <laughs> um, but powerful moment last weekend, many powerful moments. We did take our, our daughter Hope to uh, post-secondary school. But we also had this beautiful moment when we we took hope and we went to visit my grandparents. And my grandparents are in their early, almost mid-90s, which is amazing. They're in a nursing home. My grandfather is on the uh, residential side, the independent living, which is incredible. And then my grandmother is in nursing care with, uh, with Alzheimer's, um, but she's still able to, to recognize in and out of when who's there and, and, and remembering each, each name. Uh, but what was really wonderful and powerful in this visit was that we, uh, we, we sat there and Hope hadn't seen them in a while, so it was great. They were talking about how tall she is and just excited for her going to school. And before we leave, we always like, try to pray together. And so it used to be I'd ask my grandfather to pray for, for us and pray for me. That was my whole life when we'd go to visit. Um, and even when I was in Bible college, I would come home and say, uh, Papa, would you pray for me before I go back? And... Uh, what's interesting is in this season, he, he often will ask us to pray. And so we prayed together uh, before we left. We prayed, and um, my grandmother, I say, would you like to pray, Nan? And she gets confused for a moment, and then I go like this. She goes, oh. She grabs my hand, like she's done many times before. And we, we gather, and we all hold hands, and we pray together. And the presence of God flowing through my grandmother's hands. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. And she responded all in in this moment of prayer uh, because though her flesh may fail, her spirit is still willing and faithfully serving the Lord. And her spirit testifies to his faithfulness that is through all generations. Amen? So these intergenerational dinners, they're on purpose because every generation has something to offer the body of Christ. And so we want you to pour into one another. We want you to sign up to have this social time together. Uh, and it, it, the more people who sign up, the more hosts we'll make sure we have. And so everyone could participate or a few people could participate, but it's gonna be worthwhile. So we're looking forward to that um, because he is faithful through all generations. So today we're talking about what does praise have to do with freedom? We're in this Path to Freedom series, and uh, we're talking about how the Lord had brought the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt. Last week, John Mark did this fantastic job taking you through the Red Sea, right? Come on, give it up for Pastor John Mark. And we went through the Red Sea, and then we come out on the other side. And so uh, last week could have been the finale for this Path to Freedom, but I wanted to add one more piece, because it's a long weekend. (laughs) 
Why start a new series on a long weekend? No, we want to do this because there's something that really stands out to me about praise and freedom. Speaking of generations and intergenerations, uh, we've learned this thing since having teenagers about post-credit scenes in movies. Now, without naming names, because, you know, these, divide, these things divide, not bring people together, but some movies, some universes have these uh, segments that happen in their movies after the post-credits, and you wait for them. And you wait, and everyone leaves the theater, and you're still sitting there waiting because you want to see the little Easter egg, or the little clip, or the significant event that is going to help tie you to the next chapter. It's written that post-credit scenes are a recurring staple and feature films of certain cinematic universes, during which one or more short clips are shown before, during, or after the closing credits. And the clips, usually they foreshadow something, or a future films or television shows, or they resolve a plot line. And all this to say, if Crossing the Red Sea was a movie, it has been a movie, but it's real. If our series started with the exodus and ended with the parting of the sea, the message today would be the post-credit. Post-credit. Easily overlooked, missed if you left too early from the theater or auditorium. Insignificant if you weren't interested in the big picture of the universe uh, where God is revealing himself through story and narrative to a chosen people. If you didn't care, if you weren't too mu in too much of a hurry, if, if you didn't quite catch the value in every last word of script, scripture placed in context, you may leave the story where we finished last week. But since we are wrapping up this summer season, I want to include this last installment about path to freedom and praise. So let's go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to reread a little bit of uh, the climax of the story, but then we'll, head, we'll see on the screen the next, the next little installment. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Music swells. People are across to the Red, the Red Sea on dry land. The enemy is defeated. The script, the, the titles go past Moses. In order of appearance, Moses Moses' mother, Miriam, the big sister, Pharaoh, the ruthless tyrant, uh, Jehovah, burning bush, Aaron, Moses' brother, Pharaoh's magicians, frogs, locusts, the whole thing, right? The credits go. No animals were hurt except for those in the plagues, right? And the lambs who willingly sacrificed their lives. Suddenly the music dies and it's a post-credit moment and so chapter 15 verse 1 says then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord 
I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies he has hurled into the sea. And there's this praise, that, this musical number that happens after the, the huge exodus. And verse 13 says, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Now skip down to verse 20, and they'll be on the screen here. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Verse 22, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert. And the music starts again. What is the connection between freedom and praise? What's the connection? Luke chapter 6, 45. We have this scripture that we've heard before, but I want to remind us of it again. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In the New King James Version, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, this version may be familiar, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, um, we're trying to figure out where the best spots to get things are in Peterborough. And uh, so one thing's stapled wherever you live is that Costco, you go to Costco for gas, right? And so I've noticed the last several times I've gotten gas, which has been a lot in the last season, <laughs> but the last several times we've got gas, I keep reading this sign while I'm standing there, and it's this sign that explains that please do not top, top up your gas tank. Please do not top up your gas tank. Why? Why did they say this? Because when you top up your gas tank, remember it gets to like that 49.99 and you're like, I just want it to like 50. It's just even, just an even number would make it feel just right, right? It says don't do that, why? Because it could naturally overflow. Whether you like it or not, it will just overflow. If you put too much into a container, it will overflow. It's the same with our lives, if we feed negativity, and keep topping it up with negative thoughts, it overflows into our speech. If we feed our lives with positive things, but not only positive things, but holy things, things of the Lord, praise, it will naturally, naturally overflow. Fill up with the goodness of God and the goodness will overflow in the form of praise. I wanna remind us today that if we are not overflowing with praise, it's easy. We need to fill up on goodness. Fill up on his goodness. Praise is a natural overflow to freedom. When the Israelites came out of the Red Sea, there was this natural moment where the people of God praised God together. 
They did it with dance, they did it with singing, they did it with instruments, and they were giving praise to the victor, the one who had brought them to victory. Praise should be a part of our everyday Christian life. Why? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Praise, it's an overflow of the heart. It's an overflow to freedom in Christ. But secondly, praise is also a tradition. A tradition worth keeping. Did you know that Calvary is a Pentecostal church? Some of you might not, and I'm, we're laughing, but it's true. You might not know because it's, it's Calvary Church, and that's fine. Like, it's, it's wonderful that you're here. We're so glad you're here, but we happen to be a Pentecostal church. And Pentecostals would distinguish themselves by their doctrine, and, and now that it's been well-established movement, particularly our doctrine of the baptiz- baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we'd love to talk to you more about what that means if you're interested. But in, in addition to the doctrines, did you know that if you studied what Pentecostal worship looks like and is described as just by the general population. Okay, maybe not the general population. Every time Bobby laughs, I'm like, he's thinking of something funny. But just, just those who are, would maybe even on a, a website would say this. Pentecostal worship is categorized by emotional, lively expressions of worship with great spontaneity. That's what categorizes a Pentecostal church. But spontaneous and expressive praise does not originate or belong to just one expression or to the Pentecostals. Amen? Right? Its origins go all the way back to biblical times. Ancient Hebrew practices. And this is where today's story comes from. It's not just a moment of spontaneity. It's actually part of their tradition that they would praise God with music, that they would praise him with their words, that they would praise him with their dance, that they would praise them with their instruments, that this would be a part of their tradition. Particularly when it came to warfare and overcoming the enemy, that there would be this traditional dance that would take place. Did you know that women singing with hand drums and dancing was a distinct tradition in ancient Israel? We see it in Deborah the prophetess's song when they're talking and singing and they talk about the women dancing in victory. We see it in the Israelite women dancing before Saul over David's victory. Remember the one that made the king a little bit upset because the, the praise was given to, to David and not to the king? And, and they were dancing, though. This is, a, again, natural part of their, their culture. And then we have this moment in Jeremiah 31 where Israel is personified as a woman and described by the Lord in his desire to bring hope to this desolate people. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, Israel. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin maiden Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. This just reminds us, this is imagery that God is using that goes with the traditions of the people. Praise singing and dancing and rhythm. They're a part of Israelites' expression of worship and victory, all giving glory to God, amen, who they served. Oh, I missed that. Amen? Amen, the God they served. Praise in emotional-filled expression is actually okay with God. 
It's also part of the tradition for the holy people of God throughout scripture. To respond to freedom, in freedom, together and with praise and worship. I'm so glad that we're part of a church that loves to praise and worship. I'm so glad that we have leaders in our church who, who, who put at the forefront this option and this ability for us to worship corporately together in song and with music and drums and singing. And you don't need them all, but we have them all because we want to usher you into this courts of praise. It's why we clap, it's why we sing. Praise is the overflow of freedom and it's a tradition worth passing on from generation to generation. It's worth passing on. I'm so grateful that when I see my grandmother bow her head in worship and praising God even as we're, we're holding hands in the nursing home, I'm so grateful that when we're there together that I not only have that moment but I have the many moments and the generations of sleeping over at, at my grandparents' house and, and hearing them have their nighttime devotions before bed. Hearing them pray at their bedside and saying their devotions and worshiping together, knowing that if we were at their house on a, um, on a particular morning uh, for breakfast, that there would be devotions that would happen and make us squirm and wish it was over and, and try to escape. But I'm so glad that it was something that was passed on, not the practices necessarily of exactly the same way, but instead the heart and the importance of praising God through every season. I'm reminded today of our first week when we talked about the biblical themes of journey from exile to exodus and how these themes come up throughout scripture. Um, it's this woven imagery, woven into the fabric of the tapestry of our story is also this theme of praise. I thought it would be fun if we read this together, Psalm chapter 150, you know it well. Why don't we read it on the screen together today? Psalm, one, uh, I have 150, so I'm sorry it says 100. I think it is 100 actually. Anyways, praise the Lord, let's say it together. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. It's okay to smile when we read this. Let's go to the next one. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, amen. Some of you are still not smiling, I don't get it. Come on, one more time, big smile, all you've got, one, two, three, praise the Lord, amen. So good to praise the Lord. It's a tradition that's worth passing on, but it's also this, number three, it's a choice. Praise is a choice that we make in every season, in every circumstance. That is what testifies to the next generation, making a choice. Acts 16, verse 25 to 29, we jump to the New Testament and we see, we see Paul and Silas who have been imprisoned for their faith. 
And it says in verse 25, now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Where were they again? In prison, shackled. And the Bible says, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, everyone's chains were unfastened, and when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself, thinking that they were going to escape, but Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer asked for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There is something about when we choose to praise God, no matter where we are, that others, first of all, start to listen. That others notice notice the things that come out of our mouth and it edifies even them as they are nearby watching. And when we do this, when we, we lean into this prayer as a posture, but also as a choice, then it allows for doors to be open in miraculous ways that we couldn't imagine. And when we do see those doors open, lives will be changed forever. They will, people will be saying, what must I do to be saved? And the New Testament is a reminder that when freedom from the condemnation of sin and death has been realized through Jesus. It doesn't matter if your personal freedoms are even taken away or those luxuries or those things that that make you it easy to praise God. It doesn't matter what happens around you. You can still praise him. It doesn't matter if your body ages and portrays you or fails you, you can still praise him. It doesn't matter if friends let you down, you're abandoned or feel imprisoned, you can still praise him. And when Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, he's talking to them about the glory of this new covenant and the freedom it brings. And let me remind us today that praise is the testimony of a fuller understanding of freedom. A fuller understanding of what freedom is. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. uh, Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Verse 12, therefore, since we have such a hope, someone say such a hope. hope. We are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Verse 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil, that veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Let me tell you, freedom is not angry. Freedom does not tie itself to language or words that are negative and harmful. No, freedom speaks praise even while in shackles. Freedom speaks glory to God in every season because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and there's praise that comes from that freedom. Lastly, praise brings us joy. 
It brings you joy. The scriptures say in Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivers me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Another translation says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. Radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And a couple scriptures down, we get that familiar verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And there's something closely aligned with tasting and testing. I I had this, a former pastor, boss, (laughs) who... uh, who loved a certain kind of pie. And so every time we would have these, well, we didn't have them a lot, but there's occasions we had pie tasting contests or pie baking contests that became about tasting, right? How many people have done that before? How many people would like to be on that list for, yeah? I would like to be a judge for that, please. I'm happy to do that. (laughs) And we're having pies next week. Did you hear that part? This is not the pie we're having, but we're having pie next week. We're having apple pie and pumpkin pie, gluten-free pie, and we're just like, that, they're not all to gluten-free, I know, glutton-free, yeah, my husband tells me all the time. But we're having pie, and pie is a wonderful church event thing. So we're at this church event thing with my former pastor, uh, and he was one of the judges. And guess which pie won the pie contest? His favorite pie. His favorite pie was key lime pie. And if Pastor Matt's listening right now, yes, we're talking about you in church. But key lime pie, which there was a picture up there a second ago, key lime pie was his favorite. Not everybody likes, this is a very unique pie. Not everyone loves that kind of pie. But somebody knew that Pastor Matt was gonna be judging, and so they gave him his favorite pie, and guess what, they won. If God had a favorite activity of his people, I believe it would be when they praise him. Psalm 22, verse three, it actually was Pastor Matt's favorite verse. He said it all the time. (laughs) But it's a scripture that says he inhabits the praises of his people. I mean, it means multiple things on different levels, but he inhabits the praises of his people. If your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, when you praise him, you can't help but sense his joy because the Holy Spirit is in you, resides in you, and the Holy Spirit testifies to the greatness of Jesus. If God had a favorite activity of Calvary Church, it would be when you praise him, not just inside the sanctuary, not just here, but when you leave from this place, when you're having coffee or fellowship with another, when you're talking to your classmates at school, uh, when you are in uh, with circles with friends and family, when you praise him, God is happy. He, it's his favorite activity. He inhabits the praises of his people. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may, what? 
Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It's a choice. It's a promise. And when we praise him, no matter the circumstances or seasons, he will bring his comfort, his joy. So the question I have for you today is, how will you praise him? How will you praise him? For some of you, you might be remembering now that when you were a teenager, you used to praise him by writing in your journal at night words and descriptions of God that were only for God himself of how wonderful and sacred your relationship was with him. Perhaps God even now is saying, you could praise me that way again. I'll meet you there. For others, you know that when you were a little younger, you used to clap a little more in church. You used to maybe jump a little bit in your seat when things got exciting. And you are thinking, I don't have to give that up quite yet. I could still praise him. And for others of you, you're going through a difficult time, a time when you, perhaps you're, you're grieving, perhaps you're struggling, perhaps you feel like you're being held back in this season of your life. Understand that even when you can't see the bigger picture, if you praise him, God will show up. He'll open doors that no person could ever shut. When you praise him and choose to give him glory and honor, he will make a way that your praise will not be done in vain. When you praise him, he gets the glory. Psalm 30, verse four to five, it starts this. Sing praises of the Lord, you his holy people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor, oh, it lasts a lifetime. For his, uh, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. This is the God we serve. This is the church that you belong to, one who longs to praise, one that could become even more filled with praise, like David said, even more undignified than this moment when he praised with all of his heart. But this is a church where praise is welcomed, praise is encouraged. It's an outflow of freedom. It's part of the tradition in the best form of the sense of the, form, the word. And it's a part of the choice that we make. Why? Because he deserves the glory and praise, but also because it brings joy when we choose to praise him. Would you stand with me?